0: Holly, come on up here, girl. Praise the Lord. We are blessed to have Holly and Lori They are with Spirit of God Ministries. And we saw some people, you know, you've got people that drove three hours to see you today. Hallelujah. If you're here to see Holly, wave your hand up in the air. So everybody welcome Church on the Rock. The people that came just to see Holly, amen. Praise the Lord. But we're excited. I believe that God told me that Holly is one of our teaching people at Church on the Rock. And there's a difference between a teacher and a pastor and evangelist. So uh, we just bless you today, and we want you to take your liberty in the Lord.
1: Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. so glad to be here. I love you guys. I don't know all of you yet, but God has put a love in my heart for this church. You know, this church is different than other churches. Did you know that? It's not the same. It has something. It has something God has planted. You know, not every church is planted by God. Did you know that? But this one was. So, you know, be careful how you handle, because that's holy, right? Be careful how you handle the holy things of God. When God plants something, it's his. So be very careful what you say. Be very careful what you pray, right? So Brian asked me to talk about awakening, and uh, I said, yes you know, without thinking all that much about it. <laughs> and I knew my calendar was free, but as I began to talk to the Lord about it, let me just say that awakening is probably my favorite awakening, or we could say revival. I have always used those words interchangeably. Some people do not, um, but I do. And I, that has been for me my favorite subject of all time, but also probably my sorest subject. <laughs> When I was very young, something happened to me. I was serving the Lord and there was something in me. And I knew there was something more, but I couldn't explain it and I didn't have words for it. I was hungry for something more. I went to a great church, loved the Word of God, loved the preaching, it became my family, but I knew there was something more and I knew there was like, there really was a God-shaped hole in my heart, but it didn't get filled fully when I got born again, there was still something else missing. And, you know, I began to cry out to God and say, I don't even know what it is, but there's something more. And that's called the heart cry. When there's just no word, you just know there's something more. And I believe, whether you're aware of it or not, I believe every born-again believer has this this God desire. And, you know, what we do, what I did, we run around trying to fulfill it with other stuff because we don't know any better. You know, some people do it with, you know, decorating their home or, you know, Hey, buying a farm or whatever your thing is, and mine was, I became an adventurer. I went on all these rock climbing, hang gliding, you know, hiked over the Chilkoot Pass from Alaska into Canada, crazy stuff, looking for something, and it was all fun, but fun, and I could have fun for a living if someone would just pay me. I love fun. But what I found was it was fun for a moment, but it didn't fill the hole. I've tried relationships. That was great for a moment, but it didn't fill that hole. And I began to take trips, you know, vacations, do all this stuff. I worked hard. Everything was, was good. My life was very, very good, but nothing filled that hole. And I came across a person in my, in my 20s, and this person, you may have heard me talk about her before, but this person was a woman preacher back in the day when women preachers were, you know, <laughs> And what happened was this woman... She didn't come from the church. She came from a drug culture. She'd been a drug addict. And she had no hope. And she was working in a, in a casino in Las Vegas, wearing a little outfit, you know, the outfit, right? And she was ready to kill herself because her life had no hope and she couldn't get free from the drugs. She had never heard the name of Jesus except as a swear word in her life. She grew up in a house where her dad said to her, he said her name and said, you need to keep your figure because that's how you can make your living when you get older. That's what he told her, you see. And so what happened to her was she had gone six doors down the street and across the street to borrow a cup of sugar one day. And while the lady went to get the sugar, this friend of the lady said, honey, I don't know what's wrong with you, but Jesus Christ can help you. And she thought, what does that mean? And she got home and she was going to kill herself she went upstairs she was going upstairs to kill herself and she heard a voice say sandy if you call on the name of the lord to be saved you'll be saved and she thought that's a scripture and she thought is the radio on she checked no it wasn't on she heard it again sandy if you call upon the name of the lord to be saved you'll be saved she went to see if the tv was on no it wasn't she went upstairs She heard it a third time, and a light came in the room. She said it was so bright that she had to cover herself with blankets and quilts and and shake under the power. And he said, if you call on the name of the Lord to be saved, you'll be saved. And she said, okay, God, if this is you in the name of that name, that lady said, that Jesus Christ name, I'm calling on you to be saved. And she was gloriously saved, but she didn't know any Christians. I don't know why I'm talking about this. This wasn't the plan. Not that I had a plan, (laughs) hallelujah. She began to to seek the Lord with all her heart. And because her first encounter was with God and not man, something happened to her. And she began to encounter the fire instead of religion, you understand? A lot of us have to get rid of some of the religious stuff we grew up in to find Him. We need to shake the stuff. And if you ask me, awakening has to do with cutting through all the stuff the, the, we have to have some form and function, I get it. But if that becomes God, we're in real trouble. Right. And she began to seek the Lord. And she thought she was the only Christian, so she thought it was up to her to win everybody else. <laughs> so she would stand on the corner on an orange crate and preach and win 75 and 100 souls a day. She got all the busboys saved in the casino. I could go on telling her story, but but what I want to say is, she preached like her hair was on fire she carried the fire of god and the reason i'm saying that is when i encountered it i began to burn on the inside and i thought this is what i'm talking about this is the thing that i hungered for it wasn't some better relationship it wasn't some better church it wasn't some better trip with more fun it wasn't even some accomplishment, because I'm big on accomplishment, you know, boy howdy. I'm, a, you know, way too accomplishment oriented. But when I encountered the fire of God, something happened and I said, I'm, I'm pretty much ruined for anything else. Something happened to me. You know the song, it says, the things of earth grow strangely dim. More than that, I didn't care about them anymore. I didn't care about any of it. I didn't care if I had a house or lived in a tent. I didn't care if I had a car or walked. I didn't care if I had a job. I didn't care about anything. All I cared about is that's the real thing. This is not. That's the real thing. And it's like it cut through all the stuff and I realized it's about him. And we haven't really seen him. We've seen a mere shadow. But what happened to her is somehow she saw him or glimpsed him or caught the fire. She began to talk about what heaven was like. And I began to realize if you look at the scripture through those eyes, you see that that's your home, not this. Your citizenship is in heaven. That's where you belong, and that's really where you're supposed to live. Our problem is we haven't known how. And I was driving in the car one day. Forgive me if you heard this, but she, I was listening to one of her old-fashioned cassette tapes and I got a sunburn on my face from the tape, an old cassette tape, in the probably in the 70s or 80s maybe, I don't know. My face burned with the fire of God from hearing a message. I was never the same. I saw her preaching at a place and as she walked towards me, I could feel the fire of God. And I said, listen, I got to have this. I don't care about all that other stuff. I have to have this. This is what it's about. And this is all it's about. And I had other dreams. I had been a person with big dreams, boy, oh boy. I remember one dream from when I was three years old. That's what I was going to have. Every thought, every purpose, everything I did from as long as I can remember was about this one dream. And one day God spoke to me and he said, idol. That's an idol. Idol. And I'd already made a decision. I will have no other gods before you. I will not have an idol. I don't care what it is. I'm going to get the knife and cut it. Cutting it out. I'm not having it. So I made a decision. I cried for six months, but I made a decision. I will not do that. I won't have that dream. Think about it. It's like throwing your whole life away. Start over. But what I began to find was that there was something in heaven worth seeking because when you find it, awakening happens. Awakening is a is a thing that happens it's almost as though a heavenly knife cuts through all the soulish junk and by soul i don't mean your spirit man i mean your mind will and emotions all your earthly dreams all the things you think it should be you know in the church we have people who know everything they know so much they're always telling everybody how to do it but you know when wake when the great awakenings one of the if you study awakening, you can study the revivals throughout history, they all have certain earmarks. They all have certain things that happen when God shows up at the meeting. And one of the first things that happens is people begin to repent. They begin to realize, I don't know anything. I don't. You know what the Bible says? If any man thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. When I saw that scripture, I said, well, that's the first thing I need to know is that I don't know Nothing pardon my English, but he knows everything. So if I can exchange my know-nothing for his knowledge, now I'll have something I can do. If I can trade in my, I think it should be this way, for his, it really should be that way. But that involves me trusting that he knows more than I do. That involves me knowing that he is God and I am not. That he has all knowledge and I don't. And that's a lifestyle. So I want to share a couple of personal awakenings that have happened in my life before I talk about great awakenings. I hope that's how much time I have left and not how much time I've talked. Hallelujah. (laughs) There's a woman here. Her name is Lori. I'm going to rat on her today. She came into a meeting. Now, she had been born again. She was a churchgoer. She went every week. She, to some extent, loved God, but didn't know a lot about him. Uh, she'll tell, she's going to tell her, her full story next week in the evening, and it's a boomer. <laughs> you don't want to miss it. She came into a meeting and saw Jesus. She encountered him for the first time. She had been born again. She believed him. She knew he was God, believed she was going to heaven when she died. But she came into a meeting and encountered him. Over the course of some weeks, she was healed of five different physical maladies because her hunger level, she kept seeking God. She wasn't seeking healing, she was seeking Him. She got healed of five or six maybe different things, I don't remember. But she developed a hunger and she was sharing her story yesterday. I wasn't even thinking about sharing this, but we were sitting with a friend. She was telling her story and she said, I was born again, but I woke up. I was born again, but I woke up. In other words, I had an awakening. Lori got hungry and thirsty. Here's something interesting. We preach a lot of the same stuff everywhere we go, but the reactions, if I had 999 people in the room, I'd have 999 different reactions. Some people's reaction would be, that's nice, Holly. Some would be like, really, is that true? If that's true, I want to know more. But some people are like, I will pay any price to get that. That's how I was when I first heard about it. I will pay any price. I literally said, don't say this unless you mean it, I will die on any cross if I can have that. If I can have you, God, in your presence, I will do anything, anything. And that was, that's not a one-day thing. That's a life. That's a lifestyle. I will do anything if I could have that. I won't say I've successfully attained it. In fact, I'm not fit to talk about awakening. I don't know if any human is. Because the first thing that comes upon you, one man brought revival to the Zulu tribe. Amazing revival, amazing. But he said the first thing that happened was when he was awakened, he realized it wasn't about getting them to repent. He said, I'm the one that needs to repent. I'm the one that has to change. I have to change. Another thing that comes upon people is people begin to apologize to one another, forgive one another, and ask forgiveness of one another. They say when the presence of God comes, and we have had this occasionally, but not as much as I want. Sometimes people would begin to weep in the service, sometimes because they were seeing their own sin for the first time. I'm talking about born again people. You know, I love the message of grace, and I preached grace for years and years and years. I love it, but I'm going to tell you something. If grace, if it means that we don't ever have to change, it's not the full message. True grace helps you change. True grace helps you want to be different, want to be more. Because listen, one day, whether you know it or not, we will all be awakened enough to see him as he is. And I don't want to say then, oh, I wish I would have. If I'd have known this, I'd have changed that. I wish I'd have prayed more. I don't want to do that. I want to do it now. I want to know now. Deal with me now, God. Confront me now, God. So Lori was like a a complete, now I didn't know this because she never said two words put together. I didn't really know Lori at all she was quiet she came and left and came and left very quiet but what was happening was she was pounding heaven with prayer day and night she was fasting she was seeking god with all she knew and she came one night to a service she was standing in a prayer line and i saw lightning come out of heaven a bolt of lightning come out of heaven and hit her she went flying now you might not believe in people who fall over i'm one of those people that i ain't falling over unless it's god Okay, so it doesn't happen to me often. You you ever see a church where everybody falls over? Well, it would be everybody but me, just telling you. You It has to be pretty strong, but this struck her. It was like lightning from heaven. She went flying sideways and was gone for, I don't know, probably 45 minutes to an hour. She didn't talk about it for months, but she had an encounter with God where she was taken to heaven. Now Paul talks about it. There's people who won't talk about it. Usually if you ever see somebody who's had the encounter, they can't talk about it without crying. A lot of times people just can't talk about it. For sometimes years, I have a friend, he had an encounter, and the only reason I know is his wife told me, and he will not talk about it. Because some things happen. One day a guy said to me, tell me what God's teaching you. Well, there's some things I can't. Because there's some things you get from god that are holy and they can't be touched by human hands and if you try to say it it'll come out wrong and it won't won't be understood things of the spirit can't be carnally understood some of you are like oh i don't like this stuff that's okay that's okay if you don't like it You, you get a choice god always gives us free will but a true awakening brings something that says i can't do without him i can't do life in my own right Listen, we get one shot at this thing. One shot. You get one time through life. You know what the Bible says? It's like your life is like a vapor, and then it's gone. And whether your life was long or short, and whether you had a healthy life or a not healthy life, the day comes when we will see him. And I'm going to tell you what happened. Isaiah had an awakening. Isaiah was a prophet of God already. Think of it. So he was not even an ordinary believer. He was a prophet called to the nations, spoke for God, God speaking through him by the power of the Spirit. And yet, he had an awakening. He said, in Isaiah 6, I saw the Lord. And he was high and lifted up, and his train, the train of his robe, filled the temple. And immediately, repentance hits him. Woe is me, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. He He was stricken to the heart. See, a real God encounter should be more than just, oh, I felt the presence, hallelujah. That's good, I love the presence, but listen, keep practicing it. Keep going after God, not the, not the experience or the encounter or the goosebump. Go after him, and you'll have all the above. God is trying to do a thing in his church. Listen, the great wind-up says that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. How will that happen until the church walks in the glory? How will that happen until the church or at least the remnant learns how to manifest and carry the glory of God? Are we worthy in our own right? No, but Jesus Christ gave us his righteousness. If you're born again, he gave you his own righteousness. That's amazing right there. And he gave us, listen, here's a scripture for you, of his fullness have all we received and grace for grace. What? Do you know what lives on the inside of you? So why do we have to be awakened? Do you understand that if you're born again, the power of God lives in you? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? What was the temple? The house of God himself. That when God filled the temple with his glory, it shook. People couldn't stand to minister. The power was so strong. Horns blew. I'm talking about the glory of the temple. So for Paul to say that, know ye not that your body is the temple, he was talking to Jewish people. Can you imagine? See, we think, oh, your body's the temple. We couldn't, clueless. But to them, they were saying, the what? Because the temple was so holy. There were certain places you couldn't even go. And he compares that to you if you're born again. So the glory, you might say, has filled your temple, but why don't we manifest it? Why don't we reveal God everywhere we go, like some people? Jonathan Edwards spent his whole life in God, his whole life in the Word. Some say he studied like 16 hours a day. And when revival broke out in the Great Awakening, people just, people just got saved for no reason. The worst of the worst came to town against their will. Against their will they came to town and got saved on the way. Some came to mock and couldn't get within a couple of miles of the town without being cut down in the roads in repentance. And you tell me, how does that work? Because somehow through a person, God begins to manifest himself. He begins to show his real self. Because somebody dedicated themselves enough, do you know that our job is to manifest God to people instead of talk about him? How many times have you talked to somebody about Jesus and they got this wall going, I don't really want to hear that. And you've tried to debate and you've tried to come up with a better book to persuade. You've used a program. How many times? But it doesn't work, does it? Usually, unless the Lord puts his stamp on it, unless his presence is in it. You know, one guy can say a sentence and it has no power. Another guy can say the exact same sentence and people are like, Why? Because of the power of the Holy Ghost that is anointed that word. So if we have a job as the church, it's to back up to God in heaven. I'm just going to share how God teaches me often is through pictures. And when I was seeking the Lord for understanding... I had a picture, and a picture was this man that he was just worshiping God. He was facing the throne, worshiping God, and he just loved God. And then the next picture was he turned around and he was standing in front of God. God's arms were out, his arms were out. God was telling him what to say, and he was saying it. Right? You got it? That's prophecy. God gives you what to say, you say it. You don't add to it, you don't take away from it, you say it the best you can. Now it has no it's no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. It's Jesus speaking the word that has power. The third part of this picture is the man steps back into the Father. It's as though they become one. Yet I can see the man clearly. I can see his identity. He's in the Father. In him we live and move and have our being. And when they moved their arm, it was as one. It was a long time before I really understood the fullness of that. Years. God is trying to find a people, a family, or a person that will say, I will do anything to be that one. I will do anything to be the one that's so awakened to God that my, not me, but Jesus in me can carry something to help people, to change their life. You know what? Jesus, listen, he said to Philip, Have I been with you so long, Philip, and you haven't known me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus Christ was a mortal body. It says he was filled with all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That means all the Father, all the Holy Ghost, in that mortal body, one. Standing there. After he got filled at the River Jordan. What was he doing? He was showing the Father. He was revealing heaven. He was manifested. Manifested doesn't mean born. It means made visible. Manifested means to take something invisible and make it visible in the earth realm. That's why your healing needs to manifest. Come on, it already exists in heaven. The word you need, the answer you need, it already exists. God, God doesn't go create it. When you beg Him to do something, He's already done it. You have to pull it from heaven to earth. How do you do it? Through faith. So Jesus says this thing, in other words, he's saying, Philip, if you're looking at me, you're looking at a living manifestation of heaven. And what did he do? Everywhere he went, he healed the sick, he raised the dead, he opened blind eyes that had never been opened. Everywhere he went, does it seem unfeasible that if somebody got close enough to him, Does it seem impossible that if you got close enough to him, you could say what God is saying? Share what he's sharing, love with the love that he has. I watched my husband, Edgar, he's with the Lord now. I watched him win souls every day. It was like nothing, like picking fruit off a tree. And I used to think, how does he do that? I actually was a little jealous. I didn't have that gifting. I could talk to people, the cows come home, and they wouldn't be interested. You know, I would. Always, in fact, if I witnessed, I always get the backslidden preacher's kid, always. You know, I could pick, I, I remember being on State Street, hundreds of people, Christmas time, and I go to witness to this guy, backslidden preacher's kid. Like, really? I said to God, how does Edgar do it? What, how does that work? You know how God answers prayer? He shows you. I was always standing by Edgar when he witnessed, but one day, God arranged it where I was standing by the person. And I saw what he was doing. Not Edgar, but God in Edgar. See, God had encountered Edgar, and Edgar had encountered God. Edgar sought after God. When he first got saved, he was totally non religious. He was a scotch drinking, smoking cop, and much worse things. He, was, he had a, was a lot of things in his life. And when he encountered Jesus, he encountered him, he had a face to glory experience. And what happened to him is he began to seek Jesus day and night. Literally, he wouldn't sleep for days. He wouldn't even sleep because he was so hungry. He would keep all these Bibles out in case God wanted to say to him, something to him. His first wife, who was with the Lord, you know, Edgar was a widower when I met him. His first wife would come out and say, who were you talking to last night? He'd say, I was talking to Jesus. She said, no, I heard someone talking to you. He'd say, yes, that was Jesus. And because he was seeking, see, it's zeal, it's hunger, it's thirst that brings God It's thirst and hunger that brings encounter. It's not for the casual. The casual say, well, if he wants to use me, he'll show up in my house. No, he won't. He already did. He already showed up on the earth and laid it all out, said, who wants it? He gave it all to any whosoever will. Who wants it? Who wants it enough? And so Edgar couldn't, he couldn't get enough. I thought I was zealous, but God showed me. He showed me the zeal that Edgar had. It was, I'd never seen anything like it. And what happened to him was one day he was standing on his patio just worshiping God, and he's looking up at the stars, and he sees this star coming closer and closer, not knowing it was a fireball. This fireball hits him in the chest, knocks him against the house, and Edgar became a firebrand for Jesus. And everywhere he went, he, he would see souls won. And he wasn't a proper man. He, wasn't, he didn't have a religious bone in his body. He often said the wrong thing. He did. But you know what? And a lot of people didn't like him. Hallelujah. But he carried the presence. And if you were ever in a meeting, Lori said one time she stood at the end of the line and she, all she couldn't even see Edgar. All she saw was this ball of light walking down and people flying. I could tell you stories day and night about that guy. But what I saw this day when I said, God, how is he doing that? I was standing by the person God arranged at and I saw the love of the Father pour through his eyes. And for that moment that he was talking to that person, he wasn't telling them because it was his Christian duty. He, he had a fervent care. He didn't want them in hell. He wanted them to know Jesus and to go to heaven. It concerned him and the love. He had the love of a father or a grandfather, but the love of the father pouring through his eyes. I watched atheists get saved. I watched people say, I don't, I remember one day he said to a woman, do you believe in God? And she said, not hardly. And I thought, oh boy, now there I'd have walked away. Not Edgar, he got a hold of her hand. And he says, you know, the hand you're holding was burned off and God grew it back. He gets a hold of their hand, he wouldn't let it go. And he began to tell his story and her face is like, you're weird, get away from me. Now see, Edgar could not read body language, didn't know, didn't care. That's good, that's evangelistic right? Evangelists don't know and don't care. And they'll say stuff that's just like, I can't believe you just said that out loud. It happened all the time. I'm the polar opposite, very sensitive to people, so I know exactly what your face is saying. <laughs> okay? So here's me standing back going, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Praying and praying. Oh, don't, don't, you know. Her face goes from, you're just weird, get away from me, to, are you for real? Now, this goes on for about 20 minutes. We're in a crowd of all these people. She's at her job. This is not proper. Edgar doesn't care. He keeps talking. I watch her face begin to say, boy, I I wish I could believe what you're saying. I watch it change. He just keeps talking, telling his stories, talking about Jesus and loving her. She's about 19 Pretty soon at the right moment, he said, would you like to receive Jesus in your heart? And these tears start pouring down her face. And she says, yes, I would. She walks around the counter to hug him. I watched it happen. What happened? God manifested himself through eye gates. Your eyes are the window of the soul. That's what the Bible says. Let your eye be single so your whole body's full of light. If your eye is, you know what, we're too double-focused. We want God and church and home and all the decorations. I have a friend. Ooh, I got 40 seconds. Hallelujah. I have a friend. She's a pastor's wife, wonderful woman of God, and this is her story. She cared about the carpet and the, the videos and all the colors, and she just, you know, that was her thing, getting it all right. And one day she found out that she had terminal cancer, and she said to God, you know, it was, they, were, they were giving her zero. They didn't have anything they could do, and she went to God and she said, if you will heal me, I will devote my life to doing what's most important to you. She didn't even know what that was, but she said, I will devote my life to it. God healed her and she began to seek him for what was most important. That lady today goes all over the world and she's a missionary to the poorest of the poor. She brings Jesus to people no one else will talk to. She, She traded what she do. She traded in the carpet color and some nice videos for a life in God. When she goes to heaven, there's going to be thousands of people that are there because of her. She exchanged her life for his life. God wants to make us hungry. When you make your list of stuff you're asking from God, make part of it. What do you want from my life? Why am I here on this earth? Am I here for a purpose? Don't be satisfied with just living a happy life. God will give that to you. He'll bless you. But what good is that when you step over and you didn't do the thing he put you here to do? Not me, thanks. I would rather live in a tent and fulfill the purpose of God. Paul said, I, I, I ran my race. I, fought, I, I finished my course. That's what he said. I fought the good fight. I finished my course. How did he say that if he didn't know what his course was? And did he know it when he started? No, he was a religious zealot, knew more than almost anybody, right? He was sent to Jerusalem to study under the top teacher of the day, Gamaliel. Top teacher in Jerusalem. Everybody knew it, right? It's part of the Sanhedrin. His whole entire life was wrapped up in this, and what did he know? Nothing. He was against Jesus, trying to destroy the Christians. That's how much his religion got him, and how much the wrong zeal got him. And he has an encounter on the road where he's struck blind. What a Jesus. This is a fascinating scripture. Jesus said that he came into this world for judgment, that those who don't see might see, the blind would see, and those who think they see would become blind. In other words, he's saying you get in or you get out. There is no gray. And I'm telling you the day is coming where the church will no longer be able to stand gray. The, the day I don't have time to teach how I know this, but I'm telling you every one of us will get in or get out because the things in, of the earth, I'm telling you, we're going to have to say I'm in or it's too hard for me. We're going to have to say, okay, there's people in here, I love y'all, but there's people who have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. And you've said, you know, one of these days I had a friend say to me, you yeah, know, I'm going through Bible college, and then one of these days I'm going to do the holly thing. And I thought, what on earth does that mean? If you think that means getting close to the Holy Ghost, you better do it now or you ain't going to get through Bible college. Or you'll get through it with a bunch of head knowledge and no real knowledge of God. We have to have more. If you're gonna fast, let your fast be to get more of God, to cut away anything that separates you from his presence. What separates us from his presence? Our attitudes, our unforgiveness, that grudge we're holding, our stupid house, our relationship, oh, I was just married, whatever the deal is. If it's an idol, kill it. Put it on the altar and let it burn. Romans 12.1, it talks about making your body a living sacrifice. And I remember when I first read that, I, I was in my 20s, and I got down on the floor on my face and said, Listen, I'm nothing. I am nothing, and I know it. But such as it is, I'm giving me to you. You do whatever you can with this. Catherine Kuhlman said, she knew she didn't have anything. She said, I was born with nothing. I didn't even have hair. I just had red fuzz. You know, she wasn't a great-looking person, if you ever saw her. She was kind of, you know, <laughs> I won't say who said this, but someone said she was as ugly as a mud fence. She was not a pretty lady. But she carried the glory. She did. And she went to God, and she said, I don't have anything to give you. I'm nothing. But she said, Lord, if you can do something with it, I'll give you my nothing. And he used that lady to change the world. He He did. It doesn't matter if you're the greatest or the least. That doesn't matter, I am the least. I had nothing to offer God. I couldn't speak. I couldn't look somebody in the eye and talk to him. I was that fearful of, I had so much fear of man. Couldn't look at a person in the eye and talk to him. If you made me give a speech in high school, I was literally the kid throwing up outside. How did this happen, pray tell? Because God, because hunger causes prayer causes fasting, causes a prayer that won't quit until it gets the desired end. You know, we do, we pray once, oh, he, I guess he didn't want that for me. Yeah, he does. you got to press in. you got to break through. You, not God, don't expect God to come and do all this for you. You press in until you get. You pray until you get. Then one of the best things you can do is learn how to pray the way heaven prays. Because I'm telling you, it's all available. He is available, his presence, his glory. Now, we never ever take his glory or touch his glory. We never pretend we did anything right. I did nothing right. God uses us in spite of us, not because of us. That's a fact. But God wants to use every person. i close with this. There was a kid in one of the revivals, four years old, four, and he got touched by the presence. And everywhere he went, souls were saved. The worst sinner in the county got saved, radically uh, delivered from alcoholism, and he was like a mean guy and a fierce guy, and everybody was afraid of him. And this four-year-old boy told him the gospel, and he was smitten with the presence of God. He was overtaken. He went into his job, and they said, what happened to you? Because they'd been trying to change him for years. They'd even tried to witness to him for years, but they didn't have the clout They didn't have heaven on the inside, right? They didn't have the juice from God, but this little boy had come into the presence and shared it with this rank sinner, and this guy changed. What would happen if we could become a people that carried the presence? What would happen if we became a people that were so in tune with heaven where we're going one way, and he says, stop, go a little bit left, talk to that lady in the pink shirt, okay? Can we get so close to heaven that we can hear what he's saying? Yes. Amen. Can we get so close to heaven that we can feel his heartbeat? Yes. I, I remember when I came to understand this, I knew I didn't have the ability. I didn't even know how to do it. I didn't even fully understand it. But that lady who preached like her hair was on fire, she said, I don't know much, but I know one thing. There's a high road to success, and it's called the walk of the Spirit. And I remember saying, I don't even know what that is, but I'm going to spend my whole life finding that out. I'm still finding it out. There's no there I got there. There's no there, but ever increasingly we walk in it. Ever increasingly, because we won't quit. We won't give up. And if we lose our hunger, it happens. Sometimes you lose your hunger and thirst, a wound, a scar. Stuff happens. Everybody, everybody has that. But what you do is just say, God, give me hunger and thirst. Heal my wound. I don't want to quit. Make up your mind. You're going to live for him. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Come next week if you want to hear uh, Lori's, uh, you know, she's got something to say. She's going to be here next Sunday night. I'll be here too, but she's talking. Hallelujah. Brother, anything else? I believe I am. You know what? I'm going to have, can I have him do a proclamation? Now, not everybody may want us. If you don't want us, you don't have to say this prayer. But if you would like to go farther with God, one of the things that helps set your course is a proclamation. If you feel like that, I'm going to have you say this with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I know there is something more. I know you are a God who rules heaven, and you want to manifest yourself in the earth. You want to use your people, even me, Father, help me to seek your face until I find you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah.
0: Praise the Lord. What a way to kick it off, amen? How many hungry people we have out there? I am hungry. I am hungry. You know, I hope we don't settle at Church on the Rock for a form of religion. I hope we don't ever settle for just religion or just a place to go and some friends to see. I hope we don't settle until we encounter God and His power. You know, when I was, I had 17 years in the church at Sunday school every week, at church every week. But at 17-year-old, I had one of those encounters, and I've never been the same since. And the neat thing is, it just doesn't have to be a one-time encounter. It can be multiple encounters. You know, Holly was talking about how Lori, how the fire of God, how did she say how the fire of God came upon Lori? How did you say that? Lightning hit her. Guys, I'm not kidding. I went out to... uh, Colorado last year to Holly and Lori's conference. In fact, they're having another one in February in Naples or north of Naples. And you can go to that. You can sign up and go to that. But I went out to Colorado and I had another encounter like I did when I was born again or or came to Christ. And I had had some hurt and some things in my life, some fears and things in my life. And I didn't really know how to get through that. And I sat a couple days, and I just heard the word. But then one day, I, I went up to the front, and I sat down in the chair. And I'm telling you, Lori prayed for me. And when her hand touched me, it's just like, even physically, I just couldn't. I didn't even know what was going on. But God just took something off of me that I had been trying to take off forever and ever and ever. But I always say God can do in two seconds what we could work two years on. We need to encounter God. Brothers and sisters, I want to challenge you with this. Starting next week, again, get get your commitment card. Get ready. Start anticipating and looking forward. Um, I went to a church that had like 10,000 people and this person would do crusades all over the world. And one day he was in a church, he was in our church and there were about 10,000 people and we were listening and he was like, put his mic down and he said, you know what? I want everybody to go out and get their cars and drive around for four hours and then come back and maybe there'll be somebody hungry to hear the word. Cause he said, it seems like when people drive, they're anticipating, they're anticipating, they're anticipating and guys, I want you to anticipate something happening starting next week. I want you to anticipate this week. I want you to start asking God. I like how you said that, Holly. Asking God what you want to do in me. That was hitting me hard. And guys, when we start our fast next week, um, New Testament fasting is different than Old Testament. New Testament fasting is a celebration of life. It's not begging God to forgive you or begging God to do this. It's a celebration. But New Testament fasting is simply creating a space or a hole for God to fill. So right now with every head bowed and eyes closed, I just want you to say, Lord, I create a hole, an opening, a God-sized hole that only you can fill. And Lord, I have set my face and I've set my mind, I've set my heart, I've set my body that I'm going to give full, my full to this. And I'm expecting, Lord, that your full's coming to me. I'm expecting that encounter. And Lord, I pray that you will change my life, my family's life, our church life, my neighborhood, And that you would brand me with your fire in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you want that, just say amen. I want that. Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to close today. Um, I want to, uh, I had a couple things. We're getting so many new people. If you're new today and you weren't invited or didn't hear about it, Carmen and I are going to be on the third floor. Um, What time is it right now? 12. We're going to be upstairs in about 15 minutes. We're going to be teaching an hour class on Grow Steps One, and what it is is it's an introduction to Church on the Rock. So if you came today and you're like, "Man, I wasn't even planning this," um, hey, it's still early. Let's go to that. If you hit your wife and I mean, we got we've got plenty. We got plenty of books. We got plenty of food. You can show up uninvited today. Right now, we've we've only got. Three or four people, so we have plenty. A good-sized class is like 10 or 12. So come today. Come today, and you'll learn more about Church on the Rock and the vision of this church and if you want to be more involved in the church. And last but not least, next Sunday night, Holly will be here. Lori will be here at 6 o'clock. It grows every—it's every, every month. Second Sunday? Usually we're going to change it in February, aren't we? What's that date in February. We don't know it yet. I think it's the third one. We'll let you know. We'll let you know. So next Sunday night, let's stand to our feet. Father, we bless this congregation. We bless this people. Lord, we thank you that we're here healed spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And Father, we go out in the name of the Lord and your full power in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you go today. Again, if you want to come to class, we'll start in 15 minutes.